after spending the last six months trading away all of their picks, the Suns got three second round picks back on Thursday night in a deal with the Memphis Grizzlies on today's episode of Locked on Suns, why the trade's good and what it means for the next Suns move. Let's go. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at Suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen Thursday night for a bonus show, the second episode of the show that I've recorded today. That is what you get here on the feed. We're free and available everywhere. Just hit follow or subscribe wherever you're finding this show, or search Locked On Suns wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube, to find it. Hit subscribe then when you do find it and go ahead and get this show in your feed every single Monday through Friday through the off season and into next year and beyond. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Go ahead and go to BetterHelp. You use the Locked On NBA promo code. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA to get 10% off your first month. The Suns made a trade with the Grizzlies. That is very complicated, very NFL-ish, and I will break it down for you. All right? First off, Isaiah Todd, who, if you've already heard the or watched the Summer League episode that I did with Damon Allred, still very much worth listening to. We did not spend a lot of time on Isaiah Todd. We both agreed he was not long for this roster, whether that was going to be a cut or some sort of other move. Here's the other move. So he's going to Memphis. That's the easy part, all right? And the additional compensation that's going to the Grizzlies is two first-round pick swaps, which... You're probably tired of hearing the word pick swap or the phrase pick swap at this point because there was a lot of them that went to Brooklyn for Kevin Durant and then a lot of them that additionally went out to the Brooklyn Nets, or I'm sorry, the Washington Wizards for Bradley Beal. Um, these are in 2024 and 2030. In return, the Suns are getting three second round picks. One of them is via the Pelicans in 2025, which... We'll see. Maybe Zion's gone. Who knows? Maybe it's a decent pick. Kind of probably going to be mediocre, all things considered. And the Memphis Grizzlies own 28 and 29 second round picks. TBD. Those are very far out. You never know what's going to happen. But the further out the pick tends to have the most value. I don't think the Suns are going to use these picks is kind of the, the easy first way to say this. I'm going to talk about this in both the short and the long term, but I actually want to start with the long term, because I think that helps understand what these picks are and sort of what's going on uh, overall. So let's talk about the swaps. The Suns already owed uh, first round picks to the Nets in 2024 and 2030. Oh, I'm sorry, they already owed swaps. I should say, to the Wizards in 2024 and 2030. And so the Wizards, the Nets, and the Suns are now involved. And, and I'll, I promise this will not uh, be as confusing the more that I walk through it. All right, I promise. But, yes, so 2030 actually is just a Wizards swap. 
2024, all three teams are involved. The basic way to think about this is that the Suns gave up a little bit of lost value in 2030 on their first round pick in order to get three first, three second round picks and get off of the roster spot and salary of Isaiah Todd. It is basically exactly why you get Isaiah Todd in the Beal trade. He's on the summer league roster. He got introduced to the media yesterday. It is a cold business. It is what it is. As much as I, you know, want to do that whole spiel, you all get it. So the Suns had a situation on their hands where they needed to get off of Isaiah Todd because they don't, they don't have a need for him. Long-term, it's questionable if he's an NBA caliber player. Short-term, he was not going to play this year, but he had these, this guaranteed money on the books. So it would have been, you know, some of what we were already talking about on this show and I'm sure, you know, on, on Twitter and everywhere else that people talk about the Suns is like, well, they might just cut him, right? They might just eat the salary. And so if you think about it that way, instead of having to eat the salary, the Suns get off that roster spot, which is valuable because now they have 15 players under contract. But again, Ish Wainwright is non-guaranteed. I'm not anticipating that they will cut him, but you never know. And we'll talk about the short-term stuff in a second. There's some options for how they can go ahead and handle that. So those are kind of the two things that they did. They got the three second round picks. They got off of Isaiah Todd. And all they had to do, once again, to reiterate, repeat myself, is lose a little bit of value in 2030. And here's, here's sort of what I mean when I say that. In 2024, that's next year, right? I would imagine, if all goes according to plan, based on how the rosters look now and John Morant being suspended and everything else, the Wizards are going to be bad, that was kind of a throw into the Wizards' Beal trade in the first place. The Wizards are never going to swap that pick, right? Because they're going to have a better first-round pick next year. They're probably going to be a lottery team. I think they hope that they'll be a lottery team. The Suns will have a pick in the 20s, if not closer to 30. The Wizards were never going to make that pick swap. Likewise, I kind of doubt the Grizzlies will either, right? Um, maybe. Memphis, I mean, Memphis had a better record than Phoenix this season, so it's not out of the realm of possibility, but obviously Memphis stayed a lot healthier until, uh, you know, the end of the year or until the jaw stuff happened, and then um, the Suns had a bunch of injuries and team wasn't very good, and then they get Durant and everything else, so... Sure, there's a world in which Memphis is slightly better, but not by much, right? So let's anticipate that the Suns were always going to keep their own pick in 2024. And it'll probably be like 28, 29, 30. Like, let's just, let's just assume. Even if it's 23, I would imagine the Grizzlies are 21, 29, uh, 19, something like that. So that's not much of anything. 2030 is where the, the real change is happening here. So remember, again, to repeat myself, the 2030 first round pick was not part of the Kevin Durant trade because I believe it was not allowed to be. The Suns gave up the odd years in the Durant trade, right? 23, 25, 27, 29, and then a 2028 pick swap. In the Beal trade, they gave up swaps in the even years, 24, 26, 28, and 30. So this 2030 pick will now have the Wizards involved and the Grizzlies involved. It's impossible to know. Right. There's a very real world. I mean, in 2030, even Devin Booker will be, you know, that will be his age 33 or age 34 season. Right. I, I mean, I have no reason to think he won't be on the Suns, but it's very, very possible that he's at least a, a worse version of himself. Bradley Beal probably will not be around anymore. You would think and if he is, he's, you know, 30, 
seven years old at that point. Uh, probably not a, a high impact guy. And then Durant will be, you know, hanging out in the Bahamas or something. Much earned retirement at age 41. So there is a little bit of, of, of risk there, right? There's a world in which the Suns have... We don't know if it's protected yet, as far as I've been able to tell. I would hope that there was some protections there, because you don't want to end up in a situation where you get, let's say, like the number one overall pick, and the Grizzlies are at 30, and the uh, Wizards are at 28, and all of a sudden, you know, a, a new world order has arrived, and the Suns are bad again, and those two teams, uh, you know, I think gladly would would take the the, the pick off their hands, right? So I, I think Washington will still have priority here. So you would imagine as long as the, the Suns' goal needs to be to be better than the Wizards, but even if they're not better than the Grizzlies, they fall, etc. So that's where the decline is is happening. That's where the, the value is really there for Memphis. They don't care about Isaiah Todd, I don't think. But they're betting that a little bit of incremental value is worth it because they've had to give up some first-round picks lately, and they probably don't care about seconds. They have a young team. They have a, a full roster. You know, Memphis has David Roddy and Jake LaRavia and Zaire Williams and all these young guys whose names you might not even remember were on their team. And so I kind of get it from their standpoint. Maybe there's more here, but that's kind of the long term of it. The Suns are, are giving up some first round value seven years from now in order to get some trade chips in the short term. And so that brings us to the short term. I want to go through some recent trades with second round picks and remind you of the traded player exception that the Suns still have, as well as what this roster situation is looking like. Next, first today's show brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp has come in and they've made it easier, more efficient, and more personalized to check out your therapist. Sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career relationships or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate your own life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. And that's a great way to think about it, right? It's not always about recovering from this or dealing with that or digesting this other thing. Sometimes it can just be about balance, managing what life throws at you. Even if it's not crazy or overwhelming, in practical matters, that stuff adds up. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with your licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get started. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off that first month. Okay, closing things out. Quicker show today, just two segments, but I want to pile a bunch in here. So giddy up, let's go. Um, all right. Let's go through what we saw here, all right? This, this trade deadline as I talk into my own hand and reverberate the sound uh, in the wrong direction. Chris Duarte, Obi Toppin, and KJ Martin are the three trades that I want you to keep in mind. All right. So Obi Toppin went from the Knicks to the Pacers for two second round picks. We have KJ Martin, Kenyon Martin Jr., from the Rockets to the Clippers for two second round picks. Chris Duarte from the Kings. 
sorry, from the Pacers to the Kings for two second round picks. So that is somewhat of, I mean, I think it's fair to call that a trend at this point, right? And that's coming off of a trade deadline where Jay Crowder and uh, what else? Rui Hachimura both got traded for, I believe it was five second round picks. So it's very clear that some of these role player type guys who are either a little too expensive for their team or not in the rotation for their team or, you know, a young guy like Duarte, sort of a young guy that maybe the team that drafted him just doesn't want to have to pay, you know, doesn't have a a roster, a rotation spot for that player. And so rather than give him an extension and kind of have to deal with all of that, you, you just get a couple second round picks back for your trouble and, and send them somewhere where maybe they make more sense, right? That's, that's a trend that we're seeing around the league now. I think Jay is a little bit of an exception, although the, the Bucks did keep him. They did resign him. But I would say Rui, Duarte, Toppin, and KJ Martin. Those are all players in the exact same circumstance where their team traded them to a new team and got two second round picks. Or in the case of the, the Wizards with Rui, five. But let's just say two or three is, is more normal than that. And those teams got a good player I mean these are these are contributors right they might be expensive soon or whatever but they are contributors I mean Obi Toppin's probably going to start KJ Martin is a really promising player who gives the Clippers something in terms of young athleticism that they desperately need and you know Chris Duarte will see Rui got a big payday and helped them down the stretch of a postseason run right so you can get actual difference makers and I'm sure you see where I'm going here right that's where my 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 question comes in There's not a lot, I mean, there's not a lot of additional moves like this that the Suns can make, right? So, like, I don't think this is going to be, you know, if you're talking about short-term, like, next year, we were just talking about 2024, right? That's the year where technically there are these two swaps with Washington and Memphis now, but likely the Suns are just going to get their own pick at the end of the first round. You look at what Denver did this past year, with a similar situation. And they were able to trade back and get additional picks and whatnot. There's a world where the Suns do that, right? Again, to to quote myself, to return to what I said at the beginning, very NFL-ish, right? This is the type of stuff we see with the draft in the NFL all the time. A lot of, you know, the value chart, isn't it like Chase Stewart or some statistician guy has the the value chart and this second... Uh, moving back 10 spots in the second round gets you this much value and it's equivalent to a sixth rounder. So, you know, this team won the trade and that team lost the trade because they were too desperate. Like, we're going to see more of this, I think, as young, cost-controlled, you know, rookie contract players become more and more valuable, especially to the best teams and the most expensive teams like Denver and like, you know, the Bucks and the Warriors and the Clippers and now the Suns, who are kind of these second apron teams, the Heat, right, who, who are going to probably be up against it when they get Lillard. So, yeah, maybe the Suns do that. But to come full circle on what I'm saying here, I, I don't think this is for the Suns to make these picks, right? And so I think it is much more of a short-term thing. I think it is rearming themselves with some flexibility to acquire the next Obi Toppin or KJ Martin or somebody like that who becomes available to, to remain flexible and opportunistic, even with so many assets stripped from them, right? They cannot aggregate salaries in trades. They cannot take back more money than they're sending out uh, like teams 
have historically been able to do and like under the second apron teams are allowed to do. They're not able to sign buyout players unless they make a small amount of money under the mid-level exception. There are all of these new rules, not to mention the thing I brought up last week, if you're an everydayer and you were listening about the frozen picks, right? And so that's another reason why some of this value in 2030 is just not important to them. They very well could have a frozen pick, and I'm not even sure how swaps work at that point, but I would imagine that the swap becomes pretty irrelevant. Even if the Suns set themselves up to get the first overall pick because they were so bad, if it's frozen, which I think 2030 is a long way out, but you never know, um, then they don't even get that top pick anyway. So there's all these reasons why a short-term deal a short-term minded deal that allows the Suns to have some stuff to trade for a guy like some of these players, Duarte, Toppin, Martin, et cetera, who have been moved recently makes a ton of sense for them because it might be one of the only ways that they can get a guy like that. So that is, that could happen now and they could cut Ish Wainwright or they could eat the salary of Jordan Goodwin. I mean, I, I kind of don't think they would do that. So it really is looking like it would have to be Ish Wainwright at this point. And we saw, you know, if you listen to the first episode I published on uh, Thursday slash Friday, this is now a bonus second one. We talked about Bull Bull and it sounds from John Gambadoro like the Suns had interest in him. Maybe that's just on a training camp deal or some sort of non-guaranteed thing. And they just like the talent and they want to spend some time around him and see what happens. But if that was a real, like, let's give a roster spot to this guy, that at least signals that they're exploring this stuff. And so that brings us to the last point. I'm talking quick. I'm giving you guys a lot. I hope, uh, I hope, I hope you're tracking. I know the pick swap stuff is a nightmare. I, I hope I did it justice. Uh, but let's, let's get into the trade exception. You want to do some more complicated nonsense to, to close things out. This is what it is. I mean, this is the reality of the CBA now for the Suns. A lot of the stuff that they are losing out on and everything else. And it's just, it's just the reality. So uh, trade player exception. Uh, I've been talking about it quite a bit. So if you're an everydayer, you probably don't need the refresher, but I'll give it to you anyway. The deal that sent Dario Saric to Oklahoma City and the Suns got Darius Baisley back in Baisley, who remains unsigned, mind you, probably an indication that the league does not value him very highly and, and, and cutting him and moving on from him was just not that big of a deal. But point is, they got this traded player exception. It is worth uh, just a, a smidge under $5 million. I think it's like 4.9. I have been telling you guys about uh, Daniel House Jr., and I think that's a good way to describe the, the upgrade in the prospects of what the Suns can do with this TPE is to illustrate the difference between Daniel House and maybe where they can aim now, all right? The Suns have to acquire a player who makes equal to or less than what the TPE is. And so Daniel House has a player option. I think it's a player option for $4.7 million this upcoming season. I'm, I'm assuming he already uh, opted into that to that year because that's a lot of money for somebody who's kind of a fringe NBA player at this point. Not a fringe NBA player, but not a... I mean, Seth Curry just made that that 4.7 number. I think he's better than Daniel House, right? But the, the Sixers probably don't want to pay him that. And so that was kind of the perfect candidate to... He has this player option that the Sixers probably just gave him to get him on the team, but they don't really play him, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to want to give him all that money and have him on your books and on your roster spots and everything else. So 
the Suns could have said, hey, we have an open roster spot. We have this TPE. We can absorb Daniel House in. Get him off your books. Out of sight, out of mind. No worries. No questions asked. Just send him, send him our way, and that's that. But they couldn't have sent anything, right? Until, until right now, the Suns had nothing left to trade. Nothing. Because they gave up the second-round picks that they owed. Sorry. They, they gave up second-round picks to Washington in the Beal trade in 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, and 2030. And they had already given up... Oh, no. there was So they could have given up their 2029 second, I guess. Uh, they still have that, I think. Uh, but that's about it. And so now... And so that's why you were looking at a Daniel House type. Really just a pure salary dump that the Suns were going to be able to offer to another team. Hey, give us your unwanted, un, you know, misfit toy, and we will take him because we need players. In this case now... Whether it is the traded player exception or it is trading somebody on a minimum, which doesn't really add up, or it is trading Cameron Payne, I would say the pain tr- a pain trade and a TPE trade are the most likely because those are actual salaries, not minimums, which you have, again, match equally. The Suns have to get 100% or less. So they either have to trade for somebody who makes the same exact amount, which is, you know, rare, or less than the guy that they are trading, right? So if you trade a minimum player, you're only getting a minimum player back is the bottom line, even if you're giving up seconds. You're not going to get anybody real good because they all are are more expensive than a minimum. So it's going to be pain or it's going to be the TPE. But now the Suns can trade all of these three seconds. I believe that they have that 2029 second themselves. They could trade all of them. They could trade one or two. They could make multiple moves. And they now have the flexibility to do that. That is what this trade did. All right? And so do not be surprised that a lot of these players are now back on the mat. Peyton Pritchard, Emmanuel Quickly. Those are the types of guys that are, uh, that fall in that Duarte, Toppin, KJ Martin mold. Guys who are on the, the, the uh, precipice of being paid, who the team might not want to pay them. They have a logjam at that position. And now the Suns can say, hey, we have pain, we have this TPE, we have the salary mechanisms to get your guy in the, in the door and pay him, and the trade will be legal under the CBA, and we actually have something to make it worth your time. I think it's a really smart trade. What does it matter to, have, to lose a little bit of value in 2030? The Suns are already so far gone in all of this. Losing a little bit of value, maybe a lot of value in 2030. You don't know. That is a risk. That is the reality of this situation. But it is worth it if it means upgrading another roster spot with such limited resources. Enjoy the bonus episode. I hope that got you thinking in the right direction. We're gonna we're gonna have a lot of this minutia, CBA goofiness in the next decade really now that the Suns have set themselves up this way get get used to these types of trades get used to some crazy shenanigans Trevor Buckstein who is the Suns cap expert and assistant GM here in Phoenix he is probably getting I hope he got a raise I hope he's working overtime getting a a big beefy raise he's been here for longer than just about anybody he deserves all the money that he's getting I hope it's a lot and uh, you all will get to learn some some nonsense honestly but All that matters, big picture, is the Suns might get a good player out of this, and that's important. That will wrap us up. Back over the weekend to recap 
summer league game number one, or maybe this trade happens sooner than we think and the wheedling and dealing sons are at it again. Either way, hit follow or subscribe. Get this show in your feed every day through the offseason and beyond here on Locked on Suns. I'll catch you guys tomorrow.